0: you happen to be hope you had a fantastic weekend uh wherever you are um, but there was no shortage of news over the weekend I can go first um, the biggest news items in in my tech stack are that uh, Monday meaning today <laughs> uh, uh, or coming soon. uh, Monday's closing arguments in the Apple versus Epic trial. A closer look at the judge's uh, very pointed questions uh, to Tim Cook that touched on the lack of competition. The judge named Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers, who is presiding over the Epic versus Apple antitrust trial, saved her best for last, it says. And then from The Verge, it says, Tim Cook faces harsh questions about the App Store from, from the judge in the Fortnite trial. Uh, epic is the maker of fortnite and then from forbes it says the epic versus apple judge does not seem to be buying apple's defense which could could give some indication as to how this will play out and um, this is being covered by everywhere including al jazeera (laughs) who says u.s judge grills apple's tim cook in final minutes of epic trial and gadget says judge in epic versus apple presses tim cook on why so many developers are unhappy Yes, Mr. Cook. Why are so many of your developers so unhappy? Um, yeah, everyone's saying Judge grills Tim Cook on App Store policies as end of trial approaches, and uh, the, some of the tweets uh, in the Twitter sphere comment. Um, Jeremiah Lee says, "This judge sounds amazing. You're you're charging the gamers to subsidize Wells Fargo." Was one of the quotes. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out on Monday, because the, the ruling in this case could have quite strong implications for anyone developing in the Apple ecosystem or the Android ecosystem, because they kind of are a duopoly is is really the real charge here. I mean, Apple's the one on trial, but from the developer standpoint, it's it's really the point that there's really just two app stores um, and um, the, you know, Tyler, I have a quick question. Yeah, go on. ahead, Frost.
1: So you know, on account of um, some some of the tech news family that's content creators for you know game makers such as Epic, um, there's been a wide discussion in rooms here, and of course, you know, I was having a conversation with another content creator who was ranked um, number twelve on one of the America's Idols situ- um, seasons at one point. Um, and some of the content creators um, for these major game companies are also of the opinion that Epic and major game companies see tend to sometimes underpay these content creators and they have some really con- big concerns around how they kind of get either downsized or not paid the right amount and now their <laughs> content is stolen or they don't get their royalties, etc. And because we've got lovely people like Victoria on board, I'd I'd love to get some opinions on on, on the ecosystem there on what their thoughts are in general around Epic. Oh,
2: oh, I could talk about this all day. Um, As a veteran in the game industry, you are spot on content creators. You know what? Even developers themselves, they constantly get screwed by these huge AAA companies. Um, It's it's known. It's no secret. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of gamers don't care. Um, and that's the saddest part. And that's one of the big reasons why it's continued to be so pervasive, um, content creators, they're seen as people, um, to that just create content and that that's, that's all that they're good for. Just if you don't create content for us, then you're useless to us. And it doesn't matter whether we pay you or not. And if we do pay you, even if it's the smallest amount, you better be fucking grateful. That's pretty much the the way it has been for so long. And I'm personally not particularly happy if Epic wins because Epic is another one of those companies that um, utilizes that standard. Um, And frankly, the only way we could really stop it is us as consumers of these media, just put a stop to it ourselves. Because again, gamers, they don't care. Um, they they like having free content. They like having people do what they're doing without any cost to them. And it's quite unfortunate.
0: So there's a bit of a disalignment between the, the creators and the consumers in a way, right? Because the consumers kind of enjoy the benefits in a way? Like um, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, you,
2: you kind of broke up, so I couldn't hear what you oh, said. Oh, sorry. sorry. I was
0: I was saying that the the interests of the game developers and the game consumers aren't uh, really aligned with regard to this whole debate with Apple.
2: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. They're not in alignment at all. Epic is just thinking about themselves. Epic just wants more money. They don't want to give Apple the money. You know what? It's fair. I get it. I'm a developer, and I'm building all of my experiences on WebXR so that I'm not in any of these walled gardens. I understand. But (laughs) let's be straight here, okay? Let's call a spade a spade. They're not doing it for gamers. They're doing it for themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah, But it's, it's interesting. What is... Is there some reason they're doing this now as opposed to, is is it because they have something planned in the future that they feel they need to do this now?
2: Oh yeah. The immersive web, the, the, this new era of computing with extended realities, they're preparing for it. I mean, we all know about meta humans. We all know all of the money that Epic has been pouring into unreal to get content creators to build on their platform. Like this is not this is not random. This is not them doing it out of the kindness of their hearts. They're preparing themselves to be the end all be all of this next phase of computing. They want Epic. They want Unreal to be the platform that everybody builds off of. Like that's that's where they're going, and it's it's obvious if, if you've been in the space long enough.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so, so Victoria, I had, a, I had a question for you, Victoria. Um. um do, do you think that uh, Epic I would like to see both the, the commissions uh, lowered as well as uh, be able to sideload apps into into the Apple ecosystem. What do you think the, the best outcome for Epic would be here? Because I mean, I'm guessing that Apple might just decide to yield on the fine, you can, you can create your sideloaded apps on the ecosystem, even if it means a security risk and we'll flag that to consumers. I'm curious what you think the, the best outcome is.
2: I don't know what the best outcome is, frankly. Um, Cause there's just, there's so many variables involved um, the safety is a huge issue for me. Um, as you all know, I've been going on and on about all of the data that's being passed back and forth on these devices and how dangerous it could possibly be. Right. Um, but again, the, the person who has the most data has the most power because data and knowledge is power, you know? So that's, that's something that needs to be considered. Um, if you're side loading apps, kind of like SideQuest. Um, then you're kind of circumventing that, but not a hundred percent, just slightly. Um, In my perspective, again, this is just my perspective. I'm a creator and I'm a gamer and I have been my entire life and I build for these platforms. I really just see it as a race to the top, a race to be the platform of the future. And Epic has been building for it and that's what they want. I mean, look at freaking uh Fortnite. They they want Fortnite to be the next metaverse. That's why they're doing all those concerts.
3: Yeah, the Travis Scott concert was huge with my little brothers.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they're positioning themselves and this is this is very intentional. This is very very intentional. All the way from the timing to even that that parody commercial that they did with like the Fortnite characters and the Apple 1986 commercial. Like this is all perfectly planned out mwah, beautifully. And um, I I, I worry. I worry about the state of extended reality. I really, really do. I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I don't even know what the best outcome is right now other than having us as users be extremely protective of our data, but that's something that needs to be done on an individual basis.
3: Victoria, I also wanted to ask um, what what your thoughts are on the likelihood of having another Gamergate. Do you think we can avoid that?
2: I, I don't know. Um, you know, those of you that know me, you, you guys know I have a huge following here now. But I actually stayed away from the internet, social media for many, many years because of Gamergate. When I first moved to San Francisco and had my first ever game industry job, that's when Gamergate hit, and then I just got scared. Um, Because I low-key got a lot of abusive messages from men, and even to this day, I still get a lot of abusive messages from men on Twitter now that I've been more active on Twitter. Um, and I don't, I do see it happening if there's like a big person in XR and XR becomes really big and it happens to be a woman, I could see a lot of hate get, uh, thrown her way. Um, I, I get a little bit of it and I'm, I'm no one, you know, I've been here for a long time, very low key. The only people that know me are people that have been in the industry for a long time. But in terms of, you know, like the average gamer, they don't know me. And frankly, I kind of don't want them to know me. Um, I. I'm a smart woman, right? And some people would call me attractive and that makes me a target and it's terrifying. Um, I, do I see it happening? Unfortunately, yes. When, I don't know, but I'm hoping and I'm asking as a personal favor to every single person in this room, if you ever see something like that happening again, please take a stand against it because here, here. we need we need support. Um, I know the woman involved, Zoe, she's a friend of mine. And the way they terrorized her was incomprehensible. Dude, they sent mail, mail, snail mail to her family's house of pictures of her and forgive my French, but pictures of her that people had jizzed on and literally mailed it to her family. That's the kind of abuse that's happening right now. I had another friend who was not Zoe, but she worked for a AAA game company in San Francisco that she had men literally stalk her in her building 333 bush street they would just take pictures she doesn't work there anymore but they would take pictures outside the building and just be like oh on twitter oh look here i am and i'm waiting for you to come out of work that's not fucking okay that's not okay
3: it's not okay Um, victoria and um it's completely bad and as uh you know i think you saw the mic flashing you know, so like those those men, bad men, you know. And I think we're graced with a lot of good guys here, and we will be standing with you. You're here, here. Hey, brother.
1: If I can just say something, the reason I brought this up is because we're often talking about this case in uh, in Tyler and, and, and you know my peers on the forum. I actually went on a little bit of an exploratory mission and did a I went into a couple of rooms where the content creators were talking about this. Spent a little time on trying to think about. You know tokenomics and trying to create a space where maybe a creator economy could be created and something could be done about you know giving them some sort of a rally coin or something like that that could help them control their own economics and the reason i brought this up is often enough we look at apple and we despise apple but i think in this particular case epic is the one that to be despised and that's just my
4: personal opinion i'll stop there i'm done for us i really like the angle you brought in very very helpful yep
0: um Let's turn, thank you for everyone on that. We'll turn it to another topic here. Um, Heyman sent in an article that I just retweeted from the Tech News Twitter account at TNATW. <clears throat> and the title is, we're not prepared for AI hackers, security expert warns. AI promises a future where machines solve problems, humans cannot, but we, but can we trust them? Not to poke around where they don't belong. Bruce Snyder from Harvard Kennedy School has concerns. And Bruce Snyder knows we all have a lot to worry about these days. But the security researcher for the Harvard Kennedy School has one more thing that may keep you up at night. AI hackers. Snyder's eye-opening talk at the all-virtual RSAC 2021 conference. That's one of the world's biggest hacker conferences. Uh, examined the consequences, positive and negative, of artificial intelligence, um, learning to hack all kinds of systems. The ongoing COVID-19 pandemic forced him and other RSAC participants to present via video this year, but that comfortable setting didn't blunt Snyder's concerns. And here's his quote. Any good AI system will naturally find hacks, said Snyder. They find novel solutions because they lack human context and the consequences that some of those solutions will break the expectations human have hence a hack this is especially true for computers we're never close we never close off all of the avenues for hacking he said positing that once ai systems start looking for hacks vulnerabilities will be found at a scale humans are simply un prepared to handle. Snyder believes that initially AI analysis will favor hackers. When AIs are able to discover vulnerabilities in computer code, it will be a boon to hackers everywhere, he said. And and hence the title, We Are Not Prepared for AI Hackers. As as bad as hacking is now, we've been covering it every day with the Colonial Pipeline hacks, and then then the AXA insurance hacks, and the Irish uh, healthcare system hack, and it's already a pandemic and it's set to go exponential when hackers start employing AIs on, uh, to their own benefit To uh, and hence the need for real solutions. <laughs> uh, anyone have any thoughts on, on AI hackers?
3: It's a fascinating topic, Tyler. It really is, isn't it? You I know, just, I'm imagining yeah. like, uh, you know, the, the the AXA frame is a really interesting one to see when that policy is going to get disseminated globally. You know, it's just our prediction is that one is just a matter of time. They're not going to be paying out. But yeah, I mean, quantum plus AI plus some of the these guys are at the top of their game. You know, it's frightening to think what these guys are going to be able to do.
0: Exactly right. Yeah. It's going to get very scary very quickly. Um, moving on to another topic here. Um, and again, thanks to Heyman for sharing that article. And many people are sharing articles to the Twitter account, uh, TNATW. Just simply tweet any anything you want to share. You can now tweet it yourself and include the, our Twitter account, TNATW, and then we see it. And if it's good, we will retweet it or at least like it, hopefully, and, um, and share it here in the room. The CNBC and others reporting that pro-Palestinian activists are now targeting Facebook uh, with a one-star app store review campaign. The coordinated campaign is meant to protest the company's alleged censorship of Palestinian accounts and posts. And and maybe if Michelle's here, she can comment this. The pro-Palestinian activists are running a coordinated campaign to downgrade Facebook's app review ratings to protest the company's alleged censorship of Palestinian accounts and posts A campaign, which is being shared across social media sites, including Twitter and Facebook, calls on people to give Facebook a one-star review in the Apple and Google app stores. The strategy appears to be working. In the last week, the average star rating for the social network was down from over four out of five to now 2.3 stars out of five on the Apple Store and down to 2.4 out of five on the Google Play Store Saturday evening. After receiving thousands of one's fair reviews, many of the reviews include comments mentioning Facebook's alleged silencing of Palestinian voices and, and hashtags such as Free Palestine and Gaza Under Attack. Inside Facebook, the campaign is being treated very seriously and has been categorized as an SEV1 which stands for Severity One. A descriptor used internally when there is a major issue with the website according to screenshots of internal message boards reviewed by NBC News. The SEV One is the second highest priority site event after SEVO which is used when this website is down. (laughs) User trust is dropping considerably with the recent escalations between Israel and Palestine, said one senior software engineer in a post on Facebook's internal message board. Our users are upset with our handling of the situation. Users are feeling that they are being censored, getting limited distribution, and ultimately silenced. As a result, our users have started protesting by leaving one-star reviews. According to leaked screenshots of internal discussions, Facebook con contacted the app stores to ask if they would remove the negative reviews apple declined according to a post by a facebook employee who said she contacted apple's developer relations team about the issue I, if michelle is here she is here. Yeah, here yeah any thoughts on this you could help us understand what's going on michelle well
5: i this is i cannot um, i can't comment on this okay uh, fair sorry, enough sorry no say. no yeah,
0: uh, yeah we, we understand it's complex stuff so um it I, t- I mean it's an interesting point and i i don't know that it's um that um that detrimental to. i mean it doesn't everyone knows about facebook and its app and it, i don't even know that the ratings of the facebook app have any consequence and um any material consequence other than a, a, a way for people to show their you know collective discontent in some capacity and drive awareness to facebook about um so may, I, I don't know maybe it's a it's a if it is making facebook uh, uh address its own internal systems moderation systems um and certainly driving awareness around um how quickly the social media platforms need to be able to work on on The moderation front in real time and and we've touched on this multiple times in the past but particularly around hot button issues where people are concerned even preemptively about being silenced right i think i think a lot of these concerns that we've seen when, when it comes to elections uh i think the biggest issue is people have a concern about being censored and if you if they do a tweet or a facebook update and it doesn't go out immediately like normal posts do they start you know, the, they start hearing the X-Files music in the background, you know, and uh, they assume there's some major, you know, conspiracy to shut them down by the man, you know, or the power that be, you know, is is against them. And uh, yeah, the
4: this the, maybe... the only thing I can I can imagine, yeah. Tyler, yeah, here is, uh, um, you know, from the days when, you know, Facebook and Google would have in their interview processes for, you know, even even uh, entry stage jobs, but also more senior jobs, where they would be like, you know, how many elephants are there in the world? You know, how many, you know, uh, how much water, you know, cubic feet are there in the world, or whatever? The questions are now going to be about how much you understand the world and the political issues and the and the issues when you when you want to join these companies now. I can imagine that. Oh right, as time yeah. goes on, right? Because oh, you can't, you've got to hire people that are worldly. You can't, you know, at at all levels now, include you know, and. Uh, so I, I no comment. Uh, well, no, you you're, comment you're exactly right, Cal. Pressure, I mean, I can imagine how that.
0: how can you, you you need some very thoughtful people uh, overseeing these types of issues. I mean, these this is you can easily easily make a wrong mistake. Even a thoughtful person could easily make a mistake. Yeah, like, you
4: know, this is not this is not a, a you know a, a high school grad. Going into you know Stanford or Berkeley, getting a computer science degree, you know getting in there, answering you know going through some uh, uh, you know uh, websites on how to answer these really cool questions that Google and Facebook and all these guys ask. And then getting a job in there. Now you gotta be worldly, right? You gotta come to tech news and you, you gotta you know, you've gotta be pretty worldly um to to, what to I, get into I, these I, things. I mean
5: what I can add about it, um the the reason I can't come in the previous one is because it's it's a leak and and it's quite sensitive. Uh, oh, right, but right, right. what I can add around the the whole thing is that we have a very I would say quite yeah i would say quite worldly policy team because this is our integrity team looking after things like that and usually those profiles come from places like you know global organizations and so on and i think the the only thing here is being able to do it at scale and uh and it's it's the algorithm, and until it reaches a human, it has to be very um yeah. It takes time sometimes. So Michelle, it gives me
4: hope that people like you
5: are going to run companies like Facebook, right? So <laughs> well, I'm I just think there are that. many. You're sure, the, you're the, sure. the, well, the reality is that there are many of us that are just as international as as me, but the. The thing is being able to do things at scale and sometimes the human escalation takes it can take a while until um a human being looks into those things because it's it's impossible to have a human being looking after every single post or every single trending thing and um yeah so i i just want to say it's it's complex and it's not like those people don't understand the Right. They don't understand the magnitude of what's happening. Right. They do, but the algorithm flagged it, and now it has to be escalated to human, and sometimes the damaging in two days is just, it's let, just to be... Let me Tyler, ask you,
0: Michelle, uh, on, on a technical basis, <clears throat> is it that here, here's what I'm imagining is often happening in these cases, is if there's a really heated topic... And if some of the people, I mean, you have thousands of people sharing a hashtag. And if uh, some percentage of those people, and it might not be a big percentage, it might be a small percentage of the thousand people, five of them use uh, words of violence that are kind of these blacklisted words that trigger red flags. You know, if they use those words, now all of a sudden, all thousand of those people who use that hashtag, that hashtag is now uh, red flagged. Right, so people using that hash some percentage of people using that hashtag are using violence terms that are against the policy and conditions, hence uh the algorithm the early um detection algorithm says, "Ah, this hashtag might be uh connected to violence because we're seeing people using violence terms in combination with this hashtag, hence uh mute this hashtag until further review. And then in the it takes an hour or two for that to happen. And for two hours, everyone who used that hashtag, which at that point could become tens of thousands of people, are all essentially muted for the time being. And that review process being a combination of algorithm and human, that that delay of two hours is what's driving everybody to be like, ah, oh, we were all silenced for multiple hours. Why? And it's like, well, because five People out of the first hundred who used it used violent terms when they also used the hashtag. And it could be as simple as that.
5: Well, it is. I think you describe it really well because um, there might be combination of keywords. And obviously, maybe the algorithm isn't able to contextualize uh, as a human will, will do. So there might be some words, I don't know, this is just hypothetical, like killing or things right. like that. And if right. it starts trending with the negative words, that right. obviously. Right. The word that is considered negative unfortunately that hashtag, that hashtag will be associated to something um negative yeah until a human reviews it and now is able to contextualize yep. that and understand this is nothing, but again, after twenty four hours the damage is much bigger than
0: yep well, than, that, yeah. my, my point is is that the now, the aftermath of, you know, a campaign to like, show their discontent uh, in a formal digital protest and doing one star on the Facebook app essentially just raises the issue of like, OK, the current status quo approach to the the current approach to this isn't optimal and we need to keep pushing to make improvements so that uh, uh, or else this 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 cycle will continue inevitably and there must we must strive to make even more improvements on how these things are dealt with but um
5: it's tricky i'm pretty sure they might actually believe that there was an intent from facebook to 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 silence them right yeah
0: no doubt they believe that of course and it's it's because it's uh, the transparency of like, how do you tell people, actually, here's the whole process. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's unfortunately takes a few hours to manually override. And so during that three hours, if you use that hashtag, it would have been muted. And, you know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's more information than people are willing to, uh, absor- you know, after the, after the fact It's unfortunately, how, how can Facebook do a global campaign to inform people of why they're their content might be temporarily muted unless if you, I think the solution could be if you tweet something or, or Facebook post something that includes a hashtag, which is temporarily muted, you would get a warning that says, hi, we noticed you used a hashtag that is temporarily being, um, monitored for, you know, abusive language. And we expect to have this hashtag un you know, I make a decision about this in the next few hours, so please, yeah, you know, under please bear with us as we re, uh, apply human <laughs> review process to this complex issue or something like that. Uh, and it is cool. yeah, I think that might business. be something
5: too. Yeah. But what I was gonna say is that this is why the transparency, uh, the transparency org new website is something that also gives more transparency or demystify how these things are being done. Yeah. But obviously. We can't give all the details because bad guys will use it to trick the system as well. So, that's this is a uh, we can't share the entire process You you make
0: a great point, which is for every action, you will have some small cohort of bad actors working against and reacting to every action you have and trying to manipulate it in a a very um, interesting ways. On the top, I want to. We can shift on to another topic here. On the topic of crazy, uh, you know, global politics, um, Bloomberg and the entire world is talking about, so we can touch on it briefly, this uh, forced landing of a Ryanair jet in Belarus, triggering outrage over the um, Belarus wanting to capture a journalist. And that's how it relates to tech news around the world, because we often do. Um, touch on, <clears throat> you know, the, the, art, the art of journalism. And um, in this case, I got to say, my heart is with this journalist. Um, and journalists do incredibly important work, especially in the political sphere of exposing corruption and et cetera. And some governments don't like that. And some companies don't like that. And there is, you know, this uh, incredible, Heated, escalating tension between journalists who are b- blowing the whistles on bad behavior, whether it's in companies or governments. And unfortunately, um, this incident that happened about 12 hours ago is one of the most w- truly m- wild um, examples the world's ever seen. It was a Belarusian journalist who is wanted by the current regime in Belarus. He was in Greece, he took a flight from Greece to uh, Latvia, or was it uh, Lithuania, and here's what's wild about it. Those are both EU states, right? Belarus is not. However, the airplane, it was a Air flight, flew over Belarus airspace, right? So. The Belarus government knew that that journalist was on that plane flying over their airspace, sent up a military jet to apprehend and force the airplane down to arrest the journalist on the flight. That is truly unprecedented. I'm not aware of another instance of something like that.
3: Using... uh, Apparently, Michael O'Leary is, is is billing Belarus for the the
6: fuel. That's also that's also um, can be considered an attack. You know, uh, that, that's an act of act of violence.
0: Yeah, against the EU in a way. Yeah, because it's a. Uh, uh, well, it's, it's it's deploying military
6: assets, um, in a domestic well in a non, you know, in a non authorized situation.
0: Yeah. It's, um, um,
1: I don't know what the UN Convention says on this. Um, I'm forgetting even the name to give my ignorance on an active declaration of war or something like that, or uh, deploying yeah. military assets against um, against an asset that is against also, a commercial flight or something like that.
6: Uh, also, the the laws of airspace.
1: Exactly, um, exactly. You, you you know, you're on, you're on the right track.
6: Right. I, you, I know that. You know. I know that this this was very clear during. the the gulf war when um the u.s wasn't allowed to travel over certain countries um so it probably has to do something with that kind of legality
0: yeah the president of the eu commission tweeted uh the outrageous and illegal behavior of the regime in belarus will have consequences those responsible for the hijacking must be sanctioned journalist uh roman Potsevich. Must be released immediately. The EU CEO, EU Commission, will discuss tomorrow uh, actions to take. Uh, And as uh, Bloomberg and everybody's reporting, and here's a quote from the U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken: says uh, the U.S. strongly condemns the forced diversion of a flight between two EU member states and the subsequent removal and arrest of journalist uh, Roman. Pratsevich. Truly wild. So we will stay there, of course, will be updates uh, in the hours to come. So, probably in our when we join later today, which is about uh, eight hours from now. And you can see our schedule by clicking on the title of this room. Um, another comment from NATO Secretary Jens Stolensberger says uh, this is a serious and dangerous incident which requires international investigation.
6: The other, so, the other question is, is why did the why did the flight not divert versus land? Because traditionally, this type of action between states is, is done quite often. But, you know, it's it's more of a of a tag you're it type of game. Where, right. They're you know, crossing over airspace.
0: One of the uh, people on the flight got a picture up very up close of the military aircraft, it was a MiG twenty-six or something like that. Of the the aircraft that came up to force down the Ryanair flight, and it had full on loaded missiles all over the uh, this military aircraft. It wasn't, right. un, it was not a, right. unarmed. Yeah, right.
6: Tyler was the, was the was the big actually going to shoot this passenger flight down?
0: That that
1: was a threat, Marvin. It was that was a threat. If you've got a loaded, uh, if you've got a loaded uh, MIG and pointed at you, of course, the commercial aircraft is not going to endanger. Well, I mean,
7: it, it happened before. Huh? Russia shot down Korean Airlines. Well, yeah. in
6: in flight for for airspace, you know? In
7: flight, oh, it was a big deal, it was a long time ago, but it was a very big deal. And the United States recorded all of the communications with the uh, flight crews who were doing it. This is how God. How long ago was that?
6: I mean, the other part about this is is the uh, is the intelligence or the data leak, right? Of of how they um, this was an active. Obviously, this this, this was somebody was targeted and, and they were being followed. So, no, no. so no, in no, response to what it Dan Dan it could it could have
1: could, got shot could have got shot down, and then it could have said if it was an accident. So, in response it to what
6: post-fight. Dan said, that was Korean Airlines Flight 007 in 1983, and it was shot down by the Soviets.
7: We're fully loaded 747 with, uh, you know, commercial, a commercial plane got a uh, missile of, out of the sky. But one of the things
6: you need to think about, look, like, here's the KGB. They can literally take him out with a T, right? Why do they have to go to this extreme?
0: Yeah, somebody um, somebody mentioned that because he, the journalist, before he boarded the plane, sent out a message that he was being um, followed and that somebody was trying to take photos of his identification when he was approaching the um, immigration exit, uh, because he's exiting Greece, uh, apparently, and there were some security checks, and he said somebody came up and tried to take photos of his ID, and there were people acting very strangely. Uh, He suspected, he he didn't even say he, he suspected, he seemed very confident that he was being tailed, and that even that the people who were tailing him boarded the flight now that uh, apparently those people who boarded the flight intentionally caused a skirmish on the flight this is what's being reported um although needs more investigation um that the they intentionally caused uh, such a skirmish on the flight to force the flight to land and then mentioned bomb and so created a bomb scare and they tried to get the plane to land without the the military mig uh you know kind of forced landing Um, but they were getting so close to, they very nearly exited Belarusian airspace and into, um, but they were getting very close to their approach of, um, villainous and it was really very close. And so maybe the MiG was just there at the border of the airspace to force it down because even the conflict on board and the, and the shouting of the words bomb on board wasn't enough to get the. The pilot to land prematurely, it's wild, wild development. But like I said, it's
1: a very, very clear, Tyler. It's a commercial aircraft hijacking.
0: Yeah. Well, they're also the the pilot is protected now post 9/11. You know, the door between the plane, what any skirmishes happening on board isn't really going going to affect the pilot from doing their their duties. Um, but it's no doubt there will be an update between now and when we meet again. Um, very soon. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll shift gears and then follow up again when we got more news to cover. Faraz shared... Sure. Environment? Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Dan. Yeah. What do you got?
7: But but first I'll start with tech tech news, um, okay. which I, I forwarded to the DM on the, your, your account, which uh-huh. is an announcement from Apple uh-huh. about some new accessibility features that include support for eye tracking. So I thought you'd be interested in that. Although it's for third party eye tracking on uh, on the iPad. And there's actually some cool videos out there of, of kids who you know, can't use their limbs and everything like that, uh, having fun you know, playing games and stuff and learning things on the iPad. So that's pretty cool. But these are third party eye tracking systems. Um, but they also had a really cool thing with your uh, Apple Watch where you can control it just with one hand, just the hand that you have the watch on. By making a fist twice is uh, one way to activate it, and pinching your finger against your thumb was another way, and then shaking your hand and then moving your arm would put a cursor on the screen, and these are all things uh, now. I mean, this is a press release about new accessibility features. So if you Look it up. There's a video of that too. Yeah, was actually pretty cool.
0: I just um, I just tweeted it yeah. from the Tech News Around the World Twitter account. Or let me say, I'm going to tweet it in ten seconds. And for those who, okay. and by the we'll way, wait. for for no, for anyone who go. might be new, basically every headline we cover, we tweet out, so you can see the article that we're talking about. So we've already done five today. They're at T N A T W is the Twitter account. And not only are we tweeting out the articles. Um, people are sending in articles by, by simply tweeting any, any interesting tech article. And if they think we sh- it should be brought to our attention, all they have to do is add our Twitter account to the tweet, T-N-A-T-W. We see it. If we like it, we, we retweet it or and um, share it with the, the, the room here. So thank you for sharing that, Dan. And then uh, yeah. well, a, a quick comment yeah. on that before you go into the green tech. Um, it's a really interesting article. Uh, about Apple's powerful new software updates designed for people with disabilities. But honestly, it has interesting implications as well because there were patents recently filed by Apple about using hand gestures while using a laptop, and which of course work for people mm-hmm. with disabilities uh, of all types. But it also works for people without disabilities so that you could do in-air swiping uh, that the cameras are getting good enough. And if you have two cameras and you can triangulate gestures, so you can do hand gesture motions without even needing a mouse or a trackpad now. So of right. moving the windows on your screen and etc., these fall under the innovations of accessibility, but now many of them become very cool and useful to people without... Uh, uh, impairments of any kind. So it's, it's very cool developments. So.
2: And Tyler, that's also, such an uh... important design concept. You yeah. know, if we think about designing anything really from the perspective of people who have the least access, mm-hmm. then not only are we able to serve that population, but we're able to serve everyone else. That's the first thing. And then secondly, I remember maybe 10 years ago, Google actually had an April Fool's joke that I losing you there My parents about how you could use body gestures to
4: you know okay, we kind of really hear you,
7: you know, you're you're breaking up
4: oopsie
0: that's all right um hopefully we can circle back but uh yeah i i understand her excitement it's um there's all kinds of really we're we're and because this touches on we're switching over into the 3D VR environment in the near future uh, evidenced by the fact that apple has its uh well has their big annual flagship event on june 7th uh but even before then facebook has their big annual flagship event on june 2nd now which is just a week away where no doubt they will be talking about vr and xr and um uh, mixed reality virtual reality augmented reality and we will have a companion room here watching that live stream together just like we did for the previous google event and and hdc event and we will also have it for the apple event on june 7th so please join us for those they're a lot of fun and um and that's
7: i assume you talked about the uh the rumors that the wwdc the apple event is going to have the 14 inch pro and the 16 inch pro with yeah the... M1X, M2 yep. chips, yeah. Okay. And
0: they will likely have very updated uh, front-facing cameras on them because everyone's working from home, and those cameras may or may not be very useful in providing lots of new data to Apple in their ambitions to create uh, a new ad network to compete with Facebook.
3: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah,
0: who? <laughs> credit to Dave for that genius insight. Um, okay. Yes. So... Um moving on to green tech not
7: quite yeah well this is a um i i sent this to you on a tweet uh i published uh the interview i did with climate scientist kevin anderson for all those in the room who didn't get a chance to hear it it was really kind of an amazing talk uh, and but i will warn you that several people contact me contacted me after hearing it and they were really shaken up so and it's not a joke so if you if you want to get a sort of an unvarnished view of our climate future then uh, listen to it and if you don't like hearing those kinds of things and I actually suggest you don't uh, uh, listen to it but I'll give you one uh, one paragraph from it uh, that he said which I was I thought very interesting so this is climate scientist Kevin Anderson who focuses on you know how much we need to mitigate our emissions in order to meet the climate targets and I listened to him over 10 years ago and he shook me up and got me more engaged working on climate change uh so it might do the same to you or it'll scare the shit out of you whatever you know whatever happens but anyway this is a quote from kevin i think all of climate change pushes our imagination to the extreme so the one thing i will say is that there are no non-radical futures the future is radically different from the present either because we make huge rapid shifts in reducing our emissions with profound shifts in our society, or we hang on to the status quo for a few more years whilst we lock in huge shifts from the impacts of climate change. So the future is radically different. There is no neat way around that. And that's a little flavor from, from the talk. It's, it, by the way, he's not a doomer or anything like that. He's a very straightforward, just kind of tells it like it is. And uh, I, I think it's you know, certainly one of the most important uh, interviews we've done so far on Climate Chat. So anyone who wants to watch that can look at the tweet and you know, get, I mean, it's on YouTube as an audio only um, uh, file, but uh, it's very interesting and uh, you'll, you will certainly learn a lot and, and it will be a different take on it than you usually hear from most of the sources and certainly from the mainstream media. Anyway, so that's, that's it.
3: Uh, Thanks. That, really Dan, a... Can I ask you one quickly Yeah, please. in the, in the, the broadsheets yesterday the Sunday times in the UK and Ireland, there was a headline and it read, pressure rises on bad boy Bitcoin to clean up its act. The this, the interesting data point that they put out there was the energy usage compared to the uh, power annually of Norway. But to what extent, I, I read that and I'll, I'll just be straight. I go, well, why are we really talking about that when we could talk about many of the other gas guzzling, coal guzzling problems that we've got? So, like, what, and I know you're passionate about the environment and I applaud that and we probably, and I enjoy listening to you, but like, can you just say a bit about that if, if you think it's a well, good data point? Yet, to I'm not know.
7: an expert on Bitcoin, but I think that mining Bitcoin on uh, using fossil fuel power is dumb. I, I see a lot of uh, presentations how uh, there's a lot of focus on, look, we're using renewable energy, this, there, and the other thing for Bitcoin. Um you know, I, I, well, let's put it this way. If you're talking to Kevin Anderson, <laughs> he would say it's crazy because we have to cut back. I mean, he 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 hasn't flown since 2004. He went to a, a conference in China by taking the train from the U.K. to China. It took him two weeks. Um, he thinks we have to just stop flying. And I mean, it, not just Bitcoin, but everything. And we can't get to where we need to get to unless we do it that radically. Um so that i don't know if that helps put it in perspective i, I that, do see then, a very that, positive related. thing for bitcoin by the way and i've said this before here but if you make bitcoin using curtailed which means uh, extra uh, renewable energy that you couldn't use you didn't have a home for if you do that then you help defray the cost of building out the renewable energy and that could actually be a very positive way uh, to use bitcoin and renewable energy but but again, making doing anything with fossil fuels right now is not a good thing. Period.
4: So, so yeah, the, just um, just on the on the whole uh, Bitcoin thing, I think it's a uh, it, we, we can actually have a, like a half an hour discussion on that. So it would go. Sure. on. My question to you, Dan, while you're giving the headlines and working through the green tech, is one of the things is that a lot of people that are now joining, uh, you know, uh, uh, starting to because well, because you. you they don't know you're an investor, right? So just number one, right. Dan's a, a clean tech investor. Um, mm-hmm. Would be useful to also understand, but maybe not today. Maybe later on today or the later on show, whatever. Is some of your technology thesis on what you're investing in, right? Um, and and uh, so you do you do a great job of. Uh, I think it's really helpful, that, like the urgency that's needed for it. Except. You know, and and you run amazing rooms on that, which, by the way, you should all look at uh, some of the clubs, Climate Chat and other places where you can go really in depth and uh, alluding to the kind of interviews you just talked about. But what was also? You also have an investment thesis, right? A whole bunch of clean tech investments you're making. And and just to kind of give a quick headline regularly, because people forget that about you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. As you give the other ones. Yeah, this comes from long ago.
7: Yeah, we invested, you know, back in started doing that in 2005 and did most of our current investments in 2011 and 12 and include carbon capture. And again, I I did that back then, but no one cared about it whatsoever. But because I spoke to these climate scientists and I realized that we were pretty screwed without this. So I figured, well, someday it's going to be needed. And fortunately, uh, you know, only in the last year or two people starting to pay attention energy storage is another area we also focus on water oh. because it's going to be an issue one way or the other you know already is and uh and new stuff looking at are sort of in low cost green hydrogen um i don't think hydrogen is going to be used for cars but but there's a lot of good ways to use hydrogen in the future especially for industrial processes and uh, things like that so yeah and people want well, you know i should make it clear that i was a Sort of a tech investor. Like, you know, we our first investment was Ask Jeeves. You know, internet, enterprise software, those kinds of things. But then after talking to the climate scientists, I realized, oh shit, we better we better start focusing on this. And back then it was a little lonely time in those early days because there weren't a lot of other clean tech investors. And I'm really uh, glad to see that it's, uh, as they say, becoming a thing. And yeah. I uh, and I, when people ask me why I do it, tell them two things. I say, well. One, I think it's the biggest economic opportunity ever, and second, because I have kids, and I think that's the kind of the base philosophy behind the, what we do
0: yep there's right, a thanks. there's a related article um and kind of big news in uh, that many are covering I'm reading the Bloomberg version ethereum closes in on long sought fix to cut energy use over ninety nine percent The shift could boost ethereum or ether as bitcoin's environmental wrap worsens. Ethereum's 45,000 gigawatt usage may fall to one ten thousandth of that. Users and developers of the world's most used blockchain have been wrangling with its carbon footprint problem for as long as it's been around. Now, they say several recent breakthroughs will finally enable them to drastically cut energy use in a year or less. Ethereum and better known rival Bitcoin both operate... ...using a proof-of-work system that requires a global network of computers running around the clock. Software developers at Ethereum have been working for years to transition the blockchain to what's known as proof-of-stake system... ...which uses a totally different approach to secure the network that also eliminates the carbon emissions issue, the change delayed... By complicated technical setbacks couldn't come soon enough for the cryptocurrency world, which weathered one of the biggest bouts of volatility ever this month after Elon Musk announced that Tesla would stop accepting Bitcoin as payment for cars because of the surging energy use. Bitcoin's network currently uses more power per year than Pakistan or the United Arab Emirates. According to Cambridge Bitcoin Electricity Consumption Index, the compilers of the index don't measure Ethereum's energy usage. And here's the quote. Switching to proof of stake has become more urgent for us because of how crypto and Ethereum have grown over the last year. Vitalik Buterin, the inventor of Ethereum, said in an interview he's hoping the challenge is made by year end, while others say it will be in a place by the first half of 2022. That's about a year earlier than was expected in december i'm definitely very happy that one of the biggest problems of blockchain will go away when proof of stake is complete said Buterin, who has been advocating for the shift since the blockchain was launched in 2015 it's amazing he says uh yeah but but that
7: you know they're i'm not again not an expert in bitcoin but i think they're focusing on the blockchain aspect rather than the mining of the coin itself the mining of the coin is purposely made hard and they make it twice as hard every what year whatever it is a year or two and and that's just energy right <laughs> if you make more cycles it's gonna be more energy dan, that's
8: where the comes, huh? yeah, yeah dan comes you're from the
0: correct
8: you're correct dan it's in the mining. So he's avoiding, he's avoiding. hey tyler
0: hello I emmy mean... your mic is quite noisy you have a lot of background noise hey, man, you're in mean.
8: an airport you're in an airport or something it's, it's probably because yeah. i'm outside yeah
0: <laughs> The, um, but I just
8: wanted to con- I yeah. just wanted to confirm that Dan is correct, that it's in the mining that would cause the power the power surges or the yeah. power usage. But proof of stake would require it will be efficient, it'll be way more efficient. However, it will also be those that hold the majority stake in Ethereum. So you'd look at it from another set of lenses, but energy wise it's correct. But however, Vitalik has actually also been trying to do this, as you said, since two thousand fifteen. The anticipation is actually the earliest we'll see layer two optimist solution. The earliest we'll see it is October this year. But of course, with everything going on in terms of the narrative and the in the news and the media and the channels, it's it's sort of making everything a little bit clouded. But Dan's statement to the effect of the mining being what causes the most energy, that's accurate. And moving to prove of Stake will reduce that dramatically on many of the blockchains so you're correct it's exactly that um
1: i'm, I'm sorry if i can just interrupt um, go ahead, tell it to to I may, i'm on a business call but could you just break that up in layman's terms for the wider audience in like a minute
8: sure hopefully it's not too noisy i'm outside chilling with the ducks it's okay, it's okay now it's okay
0: you sound it's great open. now um
8: basically when you think of proof of work mm, it's like mining for gold
0: And now she's gone. Okay. We'll, we'll come back to you, um, The There's a really interesting article here uh, about a Singapore breath test for uh, COVID has just been approved. It says, Singapore approves COVID breath test that gives immediate results from Bloomberg and others. A breath test designed to detect COVID-19 and give accurate results within a minute has been approved for use in Singapore, the National University of Singapore said in a statement. The test, developed by NUS spin-off startup Breathonics, works much like a standard breathalyzer test that police might use to see if an erratic driver is drunk. A person blows into a one-way valve mouthpiece and compounds and compounds in the person's breath think of it as a breath signature, are compared by machine learning software against the sort of breath signature that would be expected from someone who's COVID positive. Singapore will screen incoming travelers from Malaysia at the uh, checkpoint on the western side of the island in a development trial of the breathalyzers, said the uh, Straits Time. Anyone who tests positive in the breath test would be screened in a... Affirmatory PCR swab test. Singapore currently screens entrance with antigen rapid tests, which would continue alongside the breathalyzer's accurate test at speed, could be a key to helping unlock travel sector that has slowed down...